Straits brings legal and business insights at the intersection of the shipping and energy sectors. This podcast series offers trends, developments, challenges and topics of interest from Reed Smith litigation, regulatory and finance lawyers across our network of global offices. If you have any questions about the topics discussed on this podcast, please do contact our speakers. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Trading Straits. I'm Antonia Panides, a partner in the transportation group at Reed Smith based in London. And I'm joined today by my fellow colleague, Kevin Keenan, also in the transportation group based in Houston. Both Kevin and I are involved in LNG matters, be that on the arbitration side or dealing with commercial agreements such as charter parties, shipbuilding contracts, bunkering agreements. So in today's podcast, we'll consider whether LNG is a fuel that has a part to play in the transition to cleaner shipping. And we will also explore some of the challenges that LNG is facing. The International Maritime Organization has set a target of reducing the carbon intensity of international shipping by at least 40% by 2030 and is pursuing a 70% reduction by 2050 compared to 2008. A step towards achieving these targets has, of course, come in the form of the amendments of MARPOL Annex 6, which have now entered into force. And from January the 1st, 2023, it'll be mandatory for all ships to calculate their attained energy efficiency existing ship index, otherwise, as we all know it, EEXI, to measure their energy efficiency and to initiate the collection of data from reporting of their annual operational cargo intensity indicator, CII, and provide a CII rating. This means that the first annual reporting will be completed in 2023 with initial CII ratings given in 2024. And we've been assisting owners and charterers prepare bespoke charter party clauses dealing with EEXI and CII. And of course, as you'll appreciate, this has not been straightforward, where questions as to who should bear the risk of non-compliance and the cost of achieving compliance is obviously heavily negotiated. And EEXI and CII are really only the start. The European Union and its Fit for 55 package is an addition to the IMO regulations. The European Union most relevant schemes for shipping are, of course, the EU emissions trading system based on the cap and trade principle, fuel EU maritime, energy taxation directive, and there will no doubt be more to come. And it was very recently that the European Union has agreed to add shipping to its carbon market over a three-year period into 2027. So this is the EU emissions trading system that I'm talking about. And this regulatory development means ship operators will be required to pay for the greenhouse gas emissions during their voyages to from and between EU ports, with a phasing period starting from 2024. And we expect more to come on this by the end of the year. And of course, the industry is calling for some form of streamlining, because at the moment, we have two different sets of regulations coming out from the IMO and the EU. So some form of streamlining to have one set of rules covering the same environmental issues has been called for. But let's wait and see. And the reality is, of course, to achieve the targets of the IMO and the EU, alternative fuels are going to be considered by ship owners. 
And as we discussed in our last podcast, LNG is a step forward in reducing a vessel's carbon footprint. It offers reductions in the pollutant caused by the more traditional heavy fuel oil, marine diesel oil and marine gas oil. And as a fuel, it has high energy content and lower operational and maintenance costs. We have been working on bunkering provisions to allow for the use of LNG as a fuel under charter parties. These clauses are needed to address issues which are not covered in standard bunkering clauses. Things that we always consider when we're looking at these charter parties is to ensure that there is a provision that allows for the vessel's compatibility with LNG bunkering facilities, because vessels are not necessarily compatible with all terminals, and particularly where we're seeing new terminal facilities or where there's having to be upgrades by the existing terminals to comply with new safety regulations. This can cause compatibility issues, so the charter parties need to really address that. There also needs to be allowance within a charter party for ship-to-ship bunkering transfers. The right to gas-free, cool down LNG fuel tanks, considering whose time, whose cost, as well as delivery and re-delivery quantities. I should also mention that BIMCO has also produced a set of LNG bunkering clauses. Further, LNG is said to be a tangible transitional fuel. CLNG say LNG as a fuel can now be delivered to vessels in some 96 ports, including most of the main bunkering ports, with a further 55 ports in the process of facilitating LNG bunkering operations. Bunkering vessels are also dramatically grown in numbers. However, LNG worldwide bunkering is a work in progress and there are still countries where LNG fuel cannot be sourced and whilst LNG bunkering vessels are growing in number, the access to LNG as a bunker source remains limited. We have seen this result in shipping companies wanting to tie in LNG bunker suppliers. They want to make sure that they've got their sources to hand and uh, be that LNG bunker barges or the terminals. And they want long term contracts to make sure that they can meet their LNG fuel needs. And so we've also been reviewing these kind of contracts and bunkering contracts, and they need careful consideration where you need to consider the jurisdiction. There may be a need for compliance with local laws, particularly in respect of safety. Quality specifications for the LNG need to be set out. The transfer of risk in supply and then flexibility in terms of pricing and what happens if there's a failure to supply All these sorts of things are issues that need to be considered when you're looking at your supply contracts. So those were just some of the issues that I've been seeing over here, over on the European side. But Kevin, I wonder if you could give us some insight into what you're seeing and any developments in terms of the LNG market more generally. Absolutely, Antonia. Thanks very much for that. That was was fantastic. Yeah, it's actually a, a pretty exciting time in the LNG bunkering space. From a growth perspective, actually, of course, growth is always dramatic when the starting position is small. But in this case, it's, it's quite dramatic indeed. In addition to the strict government regulations aimed at curbing carbon emissions, it's also being driven by technological advancements in vessel design, desire among vessel owners to cut maintenance costs by burning cleaner fuel, enhance fuel efficiency and improve vessel performance. According to one recent study by Stratview Research, the LNG bunkering market was estimated at US $4.5 billion in 2021, 
and is likely to grow at a compounded annual growth rate of 42% from 2022 to 2028, reaching projected 52, a little over $52 billion in 2028. So what are we talking here in terms of the, the product types? Well, there are four main product types. There's truck to ship. And when I say product types, we're talking about how are these bunkers delivered? There's truck to ship, there's port to ship, there is ship to ship, and then there are uh, portable tanks. Of those four, ship to ship has the dominant share at the moment, expected to grow by 60% by 2024 due to the rapid transfer operations that are possible using ship to ship transfer and its capacity to allow movement of cargo simultaneously with bunkering operations. So some of the other modes, you know, you can't, you can't be discharging or loading your cargo while you're actually bunkering, but in the ship to ship sense, you can which is uh, probably the, the, the most significant factor in why it's more popular. At the moment, the market is segmented into container vessels, cruise ships, bulk carriers, ferries, and offshore support vessels. Because of their high fuel consumption, ferries are expected to be the market leader in terms of demand over the next few years. And in at least one study, North America is expected to lead the industry in growth through 2028, while Europe and Asia will also see significant growth in the sector. Many of our clients are actually among the most active developers in the space as well. Currently, LNG bunkering in the U.S. takes place in Jacksonville, Florida, and Port Fourchon, Louisiana. A third facility is under development in Tacoma, Washington. Ship-to-ship -ship bunkering of LNG-fueled cruise ships using barges is also planned for Port Canaveral, Florida. So it's an exciting time here in the States for it, as well as many other places around the world. LNG bunkering has also given rise to potential use of LNG in hydrogen fuel applications. This is what's, what's really exciting, I think. It's an exciting new development as innovators look continually for new ways to comply with stringent emissions regulations. Marindry Management, a unit of Greek owner Angela Kusa Shipping Group, has partnered with Italian class society Rena and Chinese designer Shanghai Ship Research and Design Institute to develop a new Castle Max bulk carrier that can run on hydrogen produced from LNG on board. The vessel will be based on a propulsion arrangement that reduces the running machinery at sea and mixes LNG as the main fuel with steam to produce hydrogen and CO2. Even more exciting, I think, is the fact that the vessel can be built as a standard dual fuel vessel with additional equipment installed once regulations incentivize the investment. So right now, the Regulations that Antonia mentioned have started out at, a, at what I think many think are a reasonable level in terms of what their requirements are. We fully expect those regulations to increase in the future. And so this design allows the, the vessels to be continually updated to meet those regulations. A spokesman for Moran Dry Management said, quote, the design will allow us to run the vessel on increasing percentages of hydrogen, lowering emissions over time, to meet the increasingly stringent rating thresholds towards 2050. And Marin Dry Management is not alone in deploying this new hydrogen from LNG technology. Sweden's FKAB Marine Designs was granted approval in principle by the Italian Classification Society Arena to build a medium-range tanker employing the same technology. The medium-range LNG hydrogen-fueled vessel is the result of a joint project with ABB and Greek hydrogen tech firm Hilbio. From the LNG bunkering perspective, the principal takeaway is that the approach will rely on existing and future LNG bunkering facilities for LNG 
as the fuel from which the lower emissions hydrogen is produced, as these vessels require no onshore hydrogen infrastructure and no need for supply and storage of hydrogen on board. It's exciting. If this technology is found to be commercially viable and takes hold in the broader shipping industry, it will undoubtedly lead, we think, to significant increases in LNG bunker demand. Antonio, back to you if you've got anything else to add, but that's, that's sort of what I'm seeing on this side of the Atlantic in terms of LNG bunkering. Thanks, Kevin, for giving us that update. And it's certainly an exciting space to be a part of. Really, nothing further from my side either, other than to say, please reach out to us if you have any questions. And we look forward to catching up with our listeners in 2023 to see how things have further developed. So thank you all for listening. Thanks, everybody. Trading Straits is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's energy and natural resources or transportation practices, please email tradingstraits at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.